I'm Maddie. Hi, I'm Ryan, and welcome to the Mutant Ages, a show where we record, I mean, where we watch everything. <laughs> where we record a podcast after yeah, we do... we've watched an adaptation of oh, the X-Men. Okay, so we review everything that is not the comic book, that's every kind of media, whether that's cartoons, movies, Live video games, movies. or crossover TV shows, that's great. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, I, I'm going to apologize for the both of us, because... We're in the middle of a heat wave right now in New England. I know. It's like God. 90-something degrees. And so we are going to pump this up out. And yes. what's more fitting episode than a heat, for a heat wave than something to do with the Phoenix, who is always on fire? It's, yeah. It's very apropos. We've got a lot of fire in this episode. Or at least it just at means the, the Phoenix is coming and we're ready. We're the here Phoenix for the Phoenix. is coming. And we're all here for her. This is a big deal. It is. Back when we were young, we experienced. I guess I didn't even I guess I didn't even explain that we're watching X-Men the animated series. We've gotten up to season three and we're about to start the Phoenix saga, and this is part one. Sacrifice. Yes, is what and it's dramatically this is a big deal titled. because this is the first time that they ever animated the Phoenix saga. And also sort of kind the last of the only time, yeah. Because yeah. X-Men Evolution, as I said in the last episode, they missed it because they got cut off early. And also uh at Wolverine and the X-Men, it did sort of revolve around it towards the end, but it was kind of towards the end like mm-hmm. and where they explain where gene gray went um also the anime sort of goes into it but not a lot and then we don't need to talk about x-men 3 there is a well, movie coming we out this eventually year eventually oh my to god talk about X-Men 3 can we just talk about for a the second show. that there's the x-men dark phoenix movie coming out at the end of this year there even is. though uh the whole merger is finally happening <sighs> so i guess they, they, they're gonna quickly well, release well, these two already, terrible movies they already filmed it though like what I are know. they gonna do not put it out and recoup absolutely no oh income lost from I don't making know. it I, i'm already worried about it because like oh it's I, gonna know, be bad it's gonna be bad there, there were people who saw screeners of it and they're like it's pretty much as bad as x-men 3 was and i'm like why can't they just you know what I, and i gotta let it go because mcu will have the fox properties and we'll have x-men soon so we'll see what happens we'll with get that. yet another live action adaptation of this maybe we'll Hopefully. see i don't know I don't whether know. they're gonna as long as they not. don't wasp it, it seems... and they're just like gene grace just somebody's mom now well, well, oh. <laughs> or, or she's just dead they might just oh. have her be already dead You know, like they could do any number of things and we will just have to find out what timeline they choose. But this adaptation, which is, I guess, the first one they did, it's pretty good. I mean, there's some differences from the comics so far. We're just on part one of it. But but I was kind of impressed. So, yeah, Maddie was just rereading some of the comics from the 70s and she was impressed with how they adapted this 70s comic for a 90s TV show. They made some changes to it, but there are some similarities. So. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I so far, I think it's interesting. But this is just part one, so we'll have to see in, in the next couple of episodes. Right. And, and this I actually, guess the rest of the season, how they sure. decide to implement the Phoenix overall. Yeah, and I think that this this episode absolutely should have been the first episode of season three. Because they could have just opened this up so easily with Xavier being like, I had a vision. And that, yeah, and like, just avoided what? whatever the fucking Lady Deathstrike stuff was. I mean, I guess the reason why they did that is because they wanted... So previously on the X-Men, there was a spaceship buried deep underground that the Morlocks found and then randomly Lady Deathstrike also found it and wanted it. And then the X-Men showed up and had to fight an alien. And in the midst of it all, Xavier touched the spaceship and then started screaming and could suddenly like have a telepathic connection with alien languages and aliens and Alondra, who we haven't met yet, but we know she exists. I guess it was just like a situation where they needed Xavier to trip over a spaceship so that he could then have these connections to these aliens that would show up later. But even that is kind of stupid because once the aliens show up in this episode, they still explain everything that's going on. So like, we don't really need... Well, I mean, they do, but it's not like Xavier's... They explain way better than Xavier did up until the aliens show up and explain shit and like explain who Lilandra is and stuff. Like, we do not know. Oh, I know. we are we just have sitting no there. idea. We're kind of on Wolverine's side because he repeatedly God, says yeah. throughout the episode, what Why are we doing? Are we Why doing are we doing this? this? Yeah. This is crazy. Why are we doing yeah, this? Yeah. And no one has a good answer for him. No. But anyway. So yeah. let's dive in. Let's dive in. I hope you want to take the opening here because it's a very long space battle, which looks really cool, by the way. It does look really cool. But I, I, it's very confusing as to what else happening because Xavier's also sleeping in bed and having visions. Yeah. This is a space battle that I could follow. Okay. Well, the at one least at one the end, did. I had to watch like four times and I still am not entirely clear what happened. However, this space battle, I kind of got. So Xavier's having a nightmare about this situation that I think is actually happening in real time. I thought you were going to say he was having a nightmare about being a good person. (laughs) That would be a nightmare for him, but he's actually not, (laughs) he's not really in his own nightmare. He's like, he's having a vision of a thing that I think is really happening, but it's obviously happening like many light years away. There's this space battle. And so there are these littler spaceships that are sort of shaped like bugs, which is important because those are like the good guys and Lilandra is like this bug-like exoskeleton thing. And so we're kind of like, okay, these like bug aliens are good, I guess. And so we see these bug-shaped spaceships and they're fighting against this one other really, really big spaceship. It's like a classic Star Wars situation. Yep. There And there's this one green spaceship that's like a little bigger and it's like sort of with the bug spaceships, but... Um, it's it's not even close to as big as this massive spaceship that's attacking them. And so eventually the massive spaceship shoots all the bug spaceships and like beams them up onto itself. And it's like spooky. Like when it shoots them, they go dark and they like get encased in these orbs and like sucked in. Right. And it's like because ominous. they can't because they don't want to shoot anybody down on a kids tv show but it's also like creepy looking it totally is then there's this final green spaceship which is like kind of the leader of the good guys i guess and it it manages to fly away and that's where we have we hear this woman's voice on the spaceship and like throughout all of this situation xavier is like saying aloud she was talking there yeah, well, not until the very end. Like, beforehand, Xavier's talking to her and just saying, like, how do I know you? Why am I having this vision of you? Why why am I feeling your pain? Like, why is any of this happening? Yeah. Which is, you know, some fair questions. And she doesn't answer them. All she says to him is, Charles Xavier, for the sake of the future, help me. Which, like, we don't know what that means exactly. 
But right. then Xavier wakes up and he says, they're coming. I know, I don't love know what the that. fuck that means either. Yeah, and also he says it to no one. He I just know. wakes up in bed and screams, they're coming. They're coming. To nobody. In a cold sweat. To nobody. So, so, like, I feel like this vision contains a lot of information that Xavier doesn't relay to anyone. It, which I is know. weird. It is to weird. Me. It kind of seems like the theme of the episode for him because he could have been like, I, I saw a vision of some spaceships fighting. He doesn't do I that. I saw these smaller ships that were outnumbered He's just and getting like, destroyed. I can't explain what's happening. So I'm going to give you zero information. It's like you could have told them that you had a vision of an alien attack and this yeah. is what you saw. But I guess that's too hard for you, Xavier. You can't do it. So anyway, he, we see an overhead shot of the mansion and Xavier's going on the loudspeaker in the middle of the night saying, all X-Men report to the war room. And everyone's and so, like, what the fuck? Okay, everyone you know what? walks in It's like, I love this scene, pajamas. by the way, because they're all wearing their pajamas and they're like, why are we down here? And I mean, like, we'll get to it, but well, like... Wolverine is wearing his boxers and just like an open robe. And I know, I think adorable. he like threw those two things on just so he wouldn't show up to the war room completely naked. Mm-hmm. Beast is also in boxers, which is typical for him. Okay, I know. He, I was like, I like how he has a different pair of shorts for when he sleeps in versus like the underwear that he wears all the time i mean he's he's a fastidious guy i bought it <laughs> yeah uh, i do like that scott summers walks in wearing like a full pajama like set a, yeah and, like, like very and a clothes expensive robe. like he looks like very regal i liked it it was like a nice little character moment where you see like the three of them wearing the things you would think they would wear to bed and yeah. finally we get to see what the three of them wear to bed am i right i know anyway. well as, as expected wolverine wears nothing so there's that <laughs> i think storm's wearing like one of those like one piece like cute like 80s yeah she's wearing like a like a nightgown but it's like an 80s nightgown also um, where's rogue by the way i don't know she's where on she's... a mission there's a throwaway line where Xavier is like Rogue is still on a mission, and it's but like, like what mission? Later. Do you they remember that? Six... And it's never explained. It's never oh explained. God. It's so. It's bad. honestly really annoying, and I think this is like yet another situation where if Rogue were there, then like I thought about so that. many of these problems would be solved. Yeah, exactly. I was like, okay, so if Rogue was here, a she could touch Xavier and find out what's going on. Also, all these people they're fighting, like it's like I think that's she's why she's stronger not there. than all of them. I think so it's also why fly. Storm was forced to yes. stay behind, and they came Which up with isn't an excuse. Explained. No, it is, but sort of. I think they needed her to save Jubilee later, but like it's it's very like kind of shoddily put together because I they just needed a maybe, reason. I mean, I think the writers just needed a way to get around the idea that like all these characters would be up in space and Jean Grey is only the most powerful one to them, you know, because I guess like Rogue, if she could I fly mean, technically, out there Rogue and catch and the spaceship. Storm- wouldn't have been able to do what Jean does at the end of the episode. Like That's she true. is the only character who can do it. Also in the comic book, isn't like Storm like there when this all goes down and Storm and Jean have like a touching moment, I thought. Storm is there. Cause like because do, doesn't she like say goodbye Rogue to her? Rogue isn't there though. No, Rogue wasn't I don't know. Because if she was Rogue part wasn't of that a yet. part of any of this. And like Nightcrawler and Banshee are the other two people who are there instead of Beast and Luckily, this it. is the most famous storyline. So literally, if you're not familiar with the X-Men, you can look it up and find it somewhere. So, mm-hmm. OK, so I didn't mean to skip ahead. No, I am the one who caused that because I'm all about time travel today. So <laughs> so Wolverine is immediately complaining about like getting woken up in the middle of the night. And Xavier is like surprisingly apologetic to him, which was kind of funny to me. And like a sign that like Wolverine is um, becoming the protagonist of like, the show. Oh, Wolverine doesn't sleep, though. Let's be yeah. real. He like stays up all night having nightmares and also screaming. Yeah. Yeah, but Xavier, like, apologizes to Wolverine personally, which is, like, kind of funny. And then they they tease Jubilee for 
for having zit cream on oh my face. god that's probably my favorite part of the whole episode is that logan sits down very casual i love the way they animate him he sits down he spins the, tra- the chair around and he puts his arms over it and sits next to jubilee and he goes mm-hmm. <laughs> he starts sniffing the air and he's like zit, zit cream. cream and jubilee's like oh shit i forgot i was wearing this and i i love that she he's razzing her about this it's just cute i i also was like i don't know if he can even tell that he's insulting her because like wolverine is like so clueless that he's just like yeah but i felt like cream. it was like such a good example of their <laughs> relationship though because like wolverine and jubilee are just like brother sister sometimes so it's fun it is fun so this is where we get the throwaway line rogue is still out on a mission which is never explained or justified and just we move on yeah and then Xavier's like, so where the fuck is Gambit? And then Gambit <laughs> strolls in. He's like looking fucking hot, he by looks the way. amazing. He's like, wearing like have... an open suit. And it's like, I was like, okay, so he was getting laid or he was stealing shit or he well, was doing both, honestly. That's what Wolverine says. Gambit is like twirling the car keys around his finger and he goes, it looks like I come home just in time. And Wolverine says, late date, eh, Gumbo? I think that's what he says there. Yeah, no, that's what he says. And Gambit says, not for me, which could mean any number of things. I think Wolverine's jealous. It could mean he wasn't on a date. It could mean he went on a date and decided not to have sex with the person. That, or, or he, he just like literally got night. laid or maybe he was stealing shit or like maybe he's just normally out this late i like the I idea that gambit's the only person of the x-men who has like a life outside of the x-men i appreciated it yeah and i also really like the super long slow pan they do over gambit leaning sexily against the table right after these lines oh I don't know no if i you know that i also love wolverine staring at him throughout the entire thing it's pretty great they're fucking and Wolverine's jealous. Anyway, yep. now we're going to have a bunch of exposition dropped on us. Meanwhile, like the exposition is happening while Xavier's having like a flashback of his yeah. visions. <laughs> so like Xavier kicks off the exposition by saying the space shuttle star core is scheduled for launch tomorrow. And then Hank pops in to like confirm it and is like, yeah, they're going to be studying a solar vortex. But like while Hank McCoy is explaining that Xavier just like immediately starts spacing the fuck out and like getting another <laughs> telepathic message just ignoring everyone and everybody's like what the fuck is wrong with you and he just like interrupts them and is like you must find a way to get aboard that shuttle or dr corbeau and his crew are doomed and like everybody's like can you explain what the fuck you're talking about yeah, and he's like i can't and beast is like oh i know dr corbeau and we're like okay i guess yeah but like everyone is mad though like everyone is like staring at xavier like what the fuck are you talking about which is right. at least validating no it's great and gambit's also like I like I, this is such a multi-layered joke where Gambit's like breaking into government facilities isn't usually our style because it <laughs> yeah. is something they totally do. They all do that. Gambit especially does that. So mm. then like I also like that he's like calling out Xavier's bullshit. But I, it's like such a there's so many layers to that joke. Yeah, it's especially since it's like well, is Gambit maybe a little excited about doing that? Right, exactly. It's Gambit. I mean, it's it's a fun like little line to, to, to toss in there. But Logan is totally not on board with any of this. Neither Cyclops. Like, I think both Cyclops and Wolverine first, are like Cyclops what the at first. First is like, what the fuck is going on? And then Logan is like, I don't much like getting blown off the planet without knowing why. And then Xavier's like, I can't explain. You have to go now. (laughs) He says, an event of immense importance is about to occur in space, which like, Xavier, you could give a little I know, that like, that was the biggest fucking, you just said a bunch of big words that they probably were like, wait, what did he even say? And eventually Logan's like, sure, makes about as much sense as everything else we do. 
Cyclops is the first one to jump in and be like, okay, if the professor says it, we have to do it. And then Logan is like, well, I guess it makes as much sense as anything else. And then they all leave and Xavier's like, Storm, you have to remain on Earth. And I just wrote, why? I think he just needs her there to like make the war there sunny for him. I think you're right about Jubilee. That sort of explains it. But like anyone could have done that. So I don't know. Anyway. We're going to go to another shot of Xavier like Alone. looking out a window in the dark at <laughs> night and it's so fucking emo and it's like raining and it's like oh my god i can't even deal funny. with him so cyclops walks in and is like hey um, so excuse me what the fuck I is going you on up in there, but can you please tell me why we're doing any of this yeah, bullshit don't you trust us professor don't you trust me <laughs> yeah basically um and the professor is like yes of course i trust you except and this is his justification He says, the visions I have seen these past few days make me feel as if I'm losing control. Even I don't know what they mean. And I'm like, so you don't want to explain the visions you're seeing because... You think you're going crazy? Yeah. And so then why are you sending anyone on this mission if you really don't think the visions are accurate? Right. I, I don't know. I, there's like, a lot is it of like he doesn't want to be here. wrong? So he doesn't want to reveal anything about the visions because he doesn't want to look stupid later? I feel like both Xavier and Cyclops make a lot of the wrong calls in this. Like, they do. And it's like kind of obnoxious because they, it's like instantly they're making the wrong decisions and they're like, okay, but Storm, you can't go. And Storm would have like stopped all of that from happening. I feel like if she was leading this mission, she'd been like, no, we're not she, doing well, this. Well, she's not leading the mission in the comic I read. It, it's Cyclops who is. Yeah, I know it has. To, it's it's that way because they're sticking to the comic book canon. Yeah. Um, so then we see a spaceship taking off, but it's actually the Blackbird and it's just flying in stealth mode to go to the government facility, which is is where the other space shuttle is going to be taking there's off. just like, going to be a lot of spaceships get ready for it guys yeah get ready for everything to take off <laughs> get ready for everything to be a spaceship including mystique yeah thank god no she's not in this episode <laughs> um okay so they have to get over a fence and there's like a weird moment where beast just grabs logan and like throws him over the edge and he screams and then, i know like, it's everybody so else gets funny thrown over well because cyclops is like logan is so but it's like mad. cyclops is basically like all right beast get us over that fence. And Beast is like, okay. And just grabs Wolverine without any preparation. You're right. Wolverine screams. And then afterwards, Wolverine's like, do that again. again And we'll we'll see see where where you land. land." But the best part is right here where Cyclops goes, come on guys, quit fooling around. And Wolverine goes, sorry, Sorry, dad. dad." (laughs) And I was like, that's so good. I kind of liked this as like another example of Beast being socially awkward too, which like we've already seen in the previous episode <laughs> we were talking about a little bit, where like he's doing something helpful, but like, like in a does very it Beast like way. use his language to like be yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna throw you now. He just picks up Wolverine and throws him at full force. It's um, funny. I do like the idea that uh, Wolverine's calling Cyclops dad because I'm hoping this is like a hot dad son thing they have it going is. on. So. It's a weird sexual role play that they have. Of course it is. So Logan goes up to a door and uses his claw and like casually opens it and this alarm starts going off crazily and then there's like a really long cool animated sequence of beast flipping through the corridor where i was like they definitely had more money because that shot didn't need to be there but it looks cool yeah i totally did there's like a lot of that too i think there's some of like wolverine like running by and then gambit mm-hmm. running by while they're it's cool having a conversation. yeah then, it's definitely okay, so, like little extra touches that they didn't do in the previous seasons. i know okay so um we're gonna talk about this scene because <laughs> it pisses me off that yep. Cyclops make this... Uh, well, let's just talk about it, and then we'll talk about why I'm pissed off afterwards. Okay. 
So Cyclops turns to Jubilee and he goes, Jubilee, it's time to get yourself caught. Like, you know, (laughs) like this is normal. Well, first of all, no one, I guess we've just moved past the point where we care that Jubilee is a child and that she's going on these extremely dangerous missions. Like, it seems like the X-Men have just decided they don't care about that anymore. It's it's fucking bullshit. Has stopped caring. Like, it's. By the way, we're in a government facility again. So. Yeah. It's a pretty dangerous mission. Um, yes. But anyway, Jubilee's annoyed and doesn't want to do it, but she's like, okay. And then she's like, it's just not fair. I always wanted to be an astronaut, which I think is just her being like, I wanted to go on the mission with you guys. Yeah. So in a sense, they're protecting her by not letting her like do the full mission. She's no, just the distraction. This is, this is worse in a way. But anyway, Cyclops is like, well, somebody needs to get caught or else they'll scrub the whole place looking for us. Okay, bye. And Jubilee's yep. like... I never get to have any of the fun. But my problem here is that, like, they're in a government facility, right? And they have this yeah. child with them. And they're like, okay, pretend to get caught. They could, like, never see her again. The government could kill this teenager, like, right on the spot. Like, I know. You know what and I mean? And she ends up in hot water. She does. Like, the reason why Storm has to save her later, which is the whole reason why Storm has to stay behind. Why didn't Storm just do this? Like, d- she could have escaped know. herself. That's how I felt. Like, it should have been something that wasn't a child and somebody that was experienced. Because, like, I agree that Jubilee shouldn't be going in space. And I agree, like, Jubilee should have more time to, like, fight with the X-Men. But, like, some of these situations, like, Cyclops is just making a really bad call. And it's, like, again, Cyclops with his fucking child soldiers, you know? I know. But anyway, so she's bait, and she's just leaning against the vending machine, and these two soldiers find her. She basically pulls a boom boom here. She's like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, this is, like, really embarrassing. I thought I'd just have a look. I didn't really think it was a big deal. You and know. so they arrest her. Yeah, immediately. But at least then they think that's the only thing that set off the alarm. And so they don't think to look yeah, for exactly. the X-Men. Also, like, they don't even question if she's a mutant because she just looks like some sort I of, wondered like, about that. like, raver that just popped in. And they're like, okay, this chick is high as hell, so. Well, but also, like, aren't they suspicious of how she got in, though? And then I mean, later I when they're they so angry like, looked at looked at the door because, by the yeah. way, Wolverine clawed the door down. So there's just, like, claw marks all over it. By the way, when Wolverine clawed the door down, he just goes... This one's mine. Like yeah, it's an opponent. Like really it was like really. It was so yep. much. It's Wolverine. Folks. There's this other scene here that's also like again Cyclops being an idiot, where Cyclops runs into a room full of the astronauts that are ready, getting ready to get on this spaceship, and he literally shoots them all down with his laser beams. Then turns around. I don't around. know how they survive. No, yeah. I know. I know he shoots all of them, and then turns around and he goes, "At least they'll be safe and alive now." I'm like, "You just shot yeah, all I of don't, them." That that's just like kind of a narrative mistake because they should have knocked them out so what extent is like cyclops's powers because like in the comics like they that shit can blow through walls and in this it like just kind of knocks people over (laughs) well only in this one scene because like later in the episode when he's destroying the thing it can destroy like yeah but he shoots some other people maybe it's the degree of like what his visor is set to can control yeah i mean it's not specified but like according to this i guess he has like a stun setting i don't i don't think that's how that works but my my eye are set to stun not kill (laughs) yeah so anyway they've all been knocked out and they put all of them into this isolation chamber which i i thought the isolation chamber was like on the base but it's apparently on the ship because later mm. the astronauts are there and that was are you sure this is the astronauts are just not because like they go to the space station and there's the crew there too well are those like different people then okay i think so i I think all this is there's a lot of civilians caught in the crossfire in this episode and it's hard to keep them all straight they're caught in the crossfire and they're either like brainwashed or 
unconscious in a quarter anyway these civilians get put into an isolation chamber with plenty of food and water where they're just going to stay knocked out until the x-men get back apparently and the x-men take all of their spacesuits and magically fit into them which is very unrealistic i know it's it's also i also like wolverine standing there being like they'll be safe here until we come back from this whatever this is like (laughs) I do like Wolverine repeatedly calling out that he doesn't know why he's there and he's like really mad about it. I mean, but no one else he, knows. Like to be fair, like Xavier's like, all right, guys, can you just like go up to space? And Wolverine's like, and like something bad will realize, happen, but like, I don't know this, what. Like how dangerous that is, you fucking piece of shit. Also, like, they don't really know how to be astronaut. Well, I mean, I guess they kind of do. They've they've flown the, the Blackbird into space before, but I was definitely, like... I don't think any of them have had any formal training for that. They need, like, like, multiple degrees. Like, is this like something Hank they do in the danger room for there, fun? Is that they have, like, a space shuttle setting and they, like, you know, they must. emulate that? I don't, I don't know. know. I was really curious about how they were going to pretend to be astronauts, but luckily, like... It's really easy. So so then Dr. Corbeau walks in and he sees the actual X-Men in spacesuits and is like, what? And Gene has to like quickly brainwash him into thinking that they're his actual astronauts. And then he's like, uh, I'm sorry. I just saw something really weird for a second. I it's know. fine. Let's get on the space shuttle and do this like multi-million dollar yeah. absurd mission. Yep. Let's go. Sure. So the space shuttle takes off, by the way. And by the way, Xavier is standing outside watching it take off with Storm. And Xavier again is like, I wish I knew what they were facing. Yeah. And Storm, and for some reason, Storm has a line where she goes, trust them, Professor, as As they have have trusted trusted you. you. And I'm like, what is this shit? None of you are making any kind of sense right now. Like, Xavier doesn't know what's happening. Storm's just like letting it happen. Storm would not let that happen. Come on. I, I don't buy that Storm would stay back. But anyway, Xavier like gets a mental message that Jubilee's been kidnapped, and so he and Storm rush. Yeah. By the way, that's the pizza meme. If you ever like look online and see the GIF, and it's like, it's like him holding his fingers head and be like, "Yeah, it's from this episode. It's that shot right there. It's a great shot." Anyway, we see Jubilee. She's been apprehended (laughs) by these soldiers, and she's like, "I just wanted to see the shuttle up close." And they're like, "Maybe you'd talk better in a federal prison cell." Like, like, Jesus, she's gonna be in jail for the rest of her life. It's fine. I know. That's why I was like, Cyclops, have you thought about this? And I guess they have because they had Storm planning to turn into a little literal fucking tornado. Yeah, and break the window open and rescue Jubilee, and then abscond from the place and they're completely fine they just land magically next to xavier and everything's fine yeah but by the way when she like sucks them her up into a little tornado like storm like destroys the building Mm -hmm. i'm like this is very threatening and dangerous for a mutant to just like be doing like and there's like don't suspect anything just like a random tornado came into the room whisked this girl away there's definitely nothing wrong and we definitely didn't destroy any government property yeah also like they probably have a full record on Jubilee at this point. Like, but whatever. I guess they have criminal records on all the X-Men. I mean, I like so how it's just kind it's, of it's, it can't be hard to, like, figure out who she is because she doesn't change her clothes. So, yeah, she she wears really eye-catching outfits. She's yeah, probably, she wears a like, giant yellow trench coat when they're doing an undercover mission. Unwanted lists everywhere. I, I mean, know. they must all be. Yeah, I guess so. Back in space, Starcore is landing on the Eagle One space station. Eagle One. Yeah, that's what it's called. I mean, they're going to say that 60 times, so we may as well, like, say the names of what these things are. All right, well, okay. So Beast and Wolverine are, like, flying around in anti-gravity looking yeah, at this... Yeah, Beast is, like, nerding out. Yeah, he's looking at this um, solar probe 
the solar to, probe a eh? yeah it's it has wink, radiation wink. shielding he says and he's like totally psyched about it and wolverine is like annoyed that they're there and is like does anyone have a clue why we're on this tub I, again wolverine being like what the fuck is happening and i'm like i'm with you wolverine come back and home. this line i looked this up this is one of the only times beast has made a poetry reference that is like actually fitting i think and okay. not just some random bullshit i'm glad you did i looked it up i always look it up but usually i'm like i don't know why the fuck this is here this time i get it i think so b says ours is not to reason why ours is but to do and and then cyclops interrupts them but the next word in that poem is die <laughs> so and the poem is by tennyson and it's called the charge of the light brigade and it's like about soldiers who are just obeying orders even though they know they're going to die which like uh, okay yeah in the context of xavier giving them orders to do this even though they have no idea what they're doing it's like pretty dark but it's a kids show so they cut out the part where he says die but right. if you know the poem as an adult then you can watch it and be like oh the rhyming word there is die like yeah. that's what they're talking about no it's, it's a good I thought point it was cool but also cool reference cyclops just shows up in the window and he's like get ready <laughs> and he's like stop fucking in there wolverine and beast and we're like how did they know i mean yeah. it was a long time to get up there so beast and wolverine probably did bane right there i mean that's the only explanation i got honestly if you're gonna bang an anti-gravity like i mean it good... doesn't sound pretty awesome i'd be i would it like to try that once awesome. and see how it goes it's I mean, probably be like a little nauseating but like a little exciting too you know i gotta assume that some of those astronauts fuck up there like they're up yeah, there what else are you with like do? three other people for like a, a lot year. of free time on your hands right seriously so anyway. yeah they dock the space station dr corbo is all like i hear they have a big welcome party up for up here for us they don't get a lot of visitors <laughs> and i was like okay dr corbo oh my god nerd. and then gene's like wait something's wrong and Cyclops like, what's wrong? And Jim's like, I don't know. I sense a, a presence. presence. One, one I've, I've never, never felt, felt before. before. Wait, don't open that door. It's a trap. And then, you know. It's too late. Jean loses her psychic grip on Dr. Corbo. And then he mm-hmm. turns around and he sees turns all the X-Men. He turns the X-Men. And he's but like, he who are Beast you? Randomly. He's just like, he's like, Dr. McCoy? Wait, who are all the rest of you? And I was like, how does everybody know who Beast is? Like, Well, I, just... I mean, in the comics, Dr. Corbo knows who all of them are. Well, he's like this buddies case. with all of them. But in I this, know. at least he knows Beast, which is kind of... It's like it's like a concession to the fact that like he should know who all of them are already, but I don't know. Right. He doesn't know who the rest of them are. Um, and then this green gas starts coming out of this vent, and like they all start choking, and like Cyclops tries to blast it, which wouldn't have worked. I but don't he's know. like, let me blast it, but he can't. Maybe and he's Gambit, trying to blast like, the door. To or, I, I think that's what Gambit and Wolverine are trying to do is they're trying to take down the door while everybody else is just going down yeah but they can't um and And when they finally all pass out the door opens and who should be there eric the red who is a shiar guardian like assassin type dude he just stands there everyone's passed out he just goes monologuing i know he's like shiar adversary eric the red welcomes you to eagle one station it is too bad you won't be staying (laughs) ha 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 but like he's talking to no one like presumably he's he's talking talking to to them but like he's just monologuing by himself in a room full of unconscious people Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing a totally ridiculous outfit, by the How way. How would you even describe this outfit? I mean, like, I know it's iconic oh, to boy. us comic book readers, but if you're listening to the show and you're not familiar with the X-Men, because I know some of our listeners are people well, who have gotten to the X-Men VR. Well, he's got on, because yeah. he's Eric the Red. And so he's got, like, this little horned helmet mask thing It's very on. strange. It kind of looks like Galactus a little bit, but, like, 
Do you know what I'm thinking? Like yeah, with yeah. that weird shape on the forehead. But it has little horns on it, like almost like little devil yeah. horns. And but he's then, also wearing like no shirt, but like he's not wearing shirt. He's wearing this like strappy BDSM thing. Yeah, on and his like shoulder pads. Yeah, and then he's wearing like red stretch pants. It's a pretty. It's a classic I mean, flamboyant villain outfit in the eighties and the nineties and the seventies. Mm-hmm. Just like tiny, tiny. Well, it's definitely the nineties with the hot pants for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's not wearing hot pants, but he's wearing stretch pants. He may pants. as well be. This is what they he wear should in space. Be. That would be hot great. Pants. He's not. If you're a real alien, you wear hot pants. I don't know. I mean, maybe the emperor is wearing hot pants. We can't see his. his not yet. Maybe he's wearing regions. no pants. We don't know. He might not be. So anyway, we get to hear from the emperor because he's like calling Eric on Eric's little hand like, watch. Yeah, his thing. little like wristwatch communicator phone mm-hmm. thing and eric is like the crew has been neutralized your excellency but then he like finally looks at all the passed out people and realizes it's the x-men and he's like wait a minute well okay stowaways. so he, i think he does figure out they're stowaways but i also feel like he might think that they're not from earth he may yeah. i think he looks at Beast specifically and he's like oh shit aliens yeah, he thinks that they're associated with Alondra, which he's not wrong in a way, although they don't know that's what Xavier sent I mean, them to they, do. I, but they, that's what Xavier he could have told them that, but he too didn't bad fucking Xavier tell doesn't them have that, speaking though. skills. But he's basically like, none of these people are important. Just bring Dr. Corbo to the control room. He's the yeah. only person we want. We're just going to leave everybody else in the airlock. And, you, and this is also where we see that the crew, they have these like little machines, these buttons on the back of their necks, so they're mm-hmm. clearly being mind-controlled. Yep. Here you go, Maddie. Are you excited? This is the start <laughs> of Jean Grey getting to do something stuff on this show i actually really liked all the moments oh i did too she's fucking great here finally i pretty much from this moment forward i was like wow thank fucking god it took us three seasons to get here i know so they're gonna open the airlock and have all of the x-men fly out and die and so jane tries to use her powers to stop the brainwashed space station people from opening the airlock and it takes a really long time to work it almost works at first but then they do manage to open the hatch and then she and cyclops are like sliding out but she like finally manages to get them to close the hatch just in time and she's like scott wake up and he doesn't wake up and everybody's like incapacitated still and then all the space station people enter and gene uses her powers in yet another badass way to like fling one of them up onto the ceiling forcibly and like drop him it's which pretty is badass really badass and then you're like why wasn't she doing this before like this is like obviously a cool way you could use telekinesis to fight people right um, but then the other one shoots her there's two of them right and cyclops manages to wake up and then he blasts the, the second one and so they're both passed out and he goes over to gene and he's like hey what's up (laughs) what the fuck is going on and she says she put a psychokinetic shield around everybody sure but i don't know if that actually did anything or not No, i know it's like it's like the classic x-men techno i think what it may have done was prevent them from flying out the airlock as quickly i think that's what we are supposed to believe she also maybe maybe she put a psychokinetic shield just around herself and that's why she didn't pass out entirely that's how i interpreted it yeah it it could be that um and so then she says all i remember is someone standing over us gloating which i i think i know i love how she basically was like some dude was monologuing and that's all i remember yeah which is funny and they're 
like what's up with all the station crew members and she's like it's mind control so strong i can't override it some sort of device has been planted in their brains and we have a fun logan line where he pops his claws and he goes some would call a surgeon which i like oh i didn't um, even catch that wow yeah, okay because he's gonna take the mind control device out of their brains forcibly and cyclops interrupts and is like we're not gonna hurt the space station people logan. <laughs> cyclops is like wolverine we talked about this no killing a wolverine yeah. but can i just kill a little bit and cyclops they're mind is controlled like, no. that's basically like a robot and robots are okay to kill on this show yeah pretty much uh so the next scene is eric red giving a shitload oh of exposition my god i um, wrote this down for some reason okay but if you, i mean you could read it if you want i just like have a it's very so quick summary long. your I mean, quick like, summary would probably be better than me okay reading it's aloud, like basically like eric paragraphs. the red is like talking about how like there's a wormhole that's going to open which allows Lalandra's uh, ship to go real quick and get to that universe mm-hmm. um, and Lalandra is a rebel to She's their an empire yes and yeah. they don't explain why they say Lalandra is a rebel and we need to kill her and then yep. he's turned the space station into a giant missile somehow and it's going to yeah. shoot her down because she wouldn't be expecting that to happen from an and, unassuming primitive space station <laughs> right now that's the next part because he he then goes on to talk about how he's been waiting for years for his emperor to give him a call and give him anything to do because they stationed yeah. him on to quote unquote this backwater planet and is being mm-hmm. forced to blend in with humans which is interesting to me because now it's like introducing the concept that maybe there's aliens walking around undercover yeah. in addition to the mutants very very cool it's right. a new layer and so finally has the chance to do something and serve his empire that he yeah is... and he's like and then perhaps now i can be assigned to a more important planet oh, right and i think he's just crushing on his empire but that's you know i mean like have yeah. you seen oh, what he's that's... wearing they are a couple like the i know I, I don't guy... think they're a couple i think this is very one way where he's like oh my empire is a celebrity and i like want to fuck him i mean maybe i don't know i assume all the villains are sleeping with each other because that's part for the course on this I show. just assume that everyone's sleeping together like period villain or hero or somewhere mm-hmm, in between mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. human in the corner that doesn't have a line totally getting it on with like somebody that other else human yeah anyway the x-men show up right at that very moment and yep. cyclops blasts him but like eric doesn't even like move eric just yeah. is like you eric cannot comprehend the power of this she are and then mm-hmm. like they're kind of looking at each other like i don't know what he's saying we don't like- know what that is <laughs> <laughs> but then all the brainwashed space station people start shooting at the x-men and meanwhile the ship comes through the wormhole that they were worried about and we're trying to to prevent from coming through and so eric the red like runs over in the midst of the firefight to the control panel and he's like you cannot stop me from completing my mission and he's hitting this button that is gonna shoot this beam of energy at Lilandra's ship I guess and so as that's happening Cyclops like uses his eye beams to blow up the control panel which yeah. does still fire a beam but this is a space battle that was a lot more confusing and I had to watch it like four fucking times and I'm still not entirely sure what happens in it. But I'm pretty sure the little green spaceship manages to evade the beam, but the beam intersects with maybe the solar flare or like whatever the other fucking energy field that they were out there to study was. And I it don't, like I don't even know. It's this just weird like... energy orb that's like in space and is going to become a problem for them all later. Yeah. But because Cyclops was like shooting eye beams everywhere, the entire space station is falling apart. So like that's suddenly yeah, a concern. and like and then during this like Eric's like getting away with like some mm-hmm. other mind controlled people, and Doctor Corbello is like, "You gotta get me free, Wolverine frees him." And the space mm-hmm. station at that point is like, "Blowing I'm up. gonna blow up." 
<laughs> and so luckily this the x-men are like still able to get back to the star core shuttle i guess i don't know where it is but they managed to get back i think there. The only way it's just like docked there so they just jump back on and, and then like... this was the scene where i was like are those the astronauts that i was confused by but i think you're right it's just other random civilians that they're saving yeah, exactly because cyclops is like we can't leave the crew behind and wolverine's picking up this unconscious guy and he's like come on buddy do i have a story to tell you and i'm like all right this is weird that you're talking to this unconscious dude wolverine and staring at his ass I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, and also like the story kind of sucks. The story is like you've been brainwashed for years I by know, this right? like horrifying alien, alien from another and universe, and you've been like trying to kill people. Like sucks to be you, I guess. Like maybe don't tell him that story, Wolverine. Maybe just like take him home and let him live yeah. his life. Um, but you whatever. Know, I'm I'm already thinking about this, but they save all these crew members but in the next episode they crash landed water and I'm pretty sure like we don't see any of them we just see the x-men and like dr corbeau we'll see mm-hmm. we'll see if that's a plot hole later along it with Wolverine's back maybe they're just story. all dead i yeah. don't know hmm. so anyway eric the red and company managed to fly away in their own shuttle first and so they're they're already escaping the exploding space station and then we see like a brief scene where the emperor's checking in and being like agent what is happening has a lot of ship been stopped and he's like not as yet your excellency but i'm gonna kick their asses in like two seconds and then we go back to cyclops and dr corbeau on the ship their ship and cyclops is like can this thing still fly and they're like looking at it and kind of concerned i don't know why it got damaged i guess just because of the rubble of the space station or something yeah, maybe it's really like something exploded onto it uh, i you know what? i, I don't know think why about but it's damaged it for out. the entire rest of the episode and it's i'm not sure why um and so they managed to get it to fly but oh this could also be why the other ship is shooting at it now so that probably causes more damage like um, oh, that's a good er- point. eric the red is shooting at it and so we see these shots of the ship shaking which are like comical it's like somebody shaking the camera yeah it's it was very star trek <laughs> and then <laughs> there's this energy contrail which is that big ball of energy that i was describing before that's frankly not explained in this episode at all and like there's a weird shot where like eric the red's ship is shooting at them and then the beams like hit them because they hit the energy beam or something i don't fully get that part i don't but, know like, either it causes eric the red's ship to like be twirled off into into the black and so they're no longer into the an black issue anymore yeah meanwhile the star shuttle is like aimed directly at this energy thing this energy field and they can't steer away from it because the controls are damaged and they are losing fuel so they they are just gonna fly into this weird and just like burn up and die i guess and so gambit says that gambit's like we're gonna be a barbecue and (laughs) it's like cute and so beast interrupts and is like we could get into that radiation free probe and be protected there which i was like I mean, I think the situation is that the probe isn't like a ship in and of itself. They're just going to be hiding inside of it. You know, what's really interesting is that now I'm thinking about the X-Men movie and maybe the people who wrote those movies watched this episode. and was like, oh, Jean got her powers from radiation. It didn't understand that like the Phoenix was like a cosmic entity. Well, it's actually not explained in the original comics, which I was like trying to explain to you before we (laughs) recorded this. But they added that stuff in later. Okay. Like in the original comic, it is the way that it is here. They okay. don't tell you what happens when Gene flies into space. Yeah, they you're just right. don't explain it. Okay. I thought you were saying that like the Phoenix was like a like radiation thing. I was like, no. No, it's just that in the original comic, I mean it's the same as here. Yeah. Which I'll explain. Okay, that's that's fine. I like you just confused me when you brought it up. So um they all have to get into the probe. 
and they'll be protected from the radiation as long as they're inside of this like big box thing. But somebody has to fly the ship because autopilot isn't working and they need to fly it back to Earth. And there's like all this tricky stuff that you have to do with reentry into the Earth's atmosphere that like has to be done by a person. Right. And Dr. Corbeau is the only person who allegedly knows, but I wouldn't put it past Beast to also know, but it's not like Beast's offer. So, well, the problem though, Beast could do it. And so could Cyclops, as he points out later. But the problem is that only Jean has the abilities to protect herself from the radiation, which she points out. She leaps forward throughout this conversation quickly and is like, I'm going to use my powers to absorb all of Dr. Corbeau's knowledge on how to fly the ship. And I'm going to fly the ship and I'm going to use a psychokinetic shield to protect myself from radiation. And Cyclops tries to be like, no, I know how to fly the Blackbird. So I know how to fly this and I'm going to fly it. I'm the leader of the mission. You are not going to risk your life to do this. But then Gina's like, yeah, but you've said it yourself. The teen's mission comes first. There is no Mm -hmm. other way. And Beast jumps in to say something like the chances of you surviving are less than zero. Like of Cyclops. Yeah, not to Gene. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's basically saying like if Cyclops does this, it is a suicide mission. If Gene does it, it might not be a suicide mission. But it's like the only chance. But it's like the only chance. The best chance they have is for Gene to do it. And Cyclops refuses to back down. And so Gene actually knocks him out, which is like, wow, I was not expecting that. That's what happens in the comic book, too. Yes, but in the comic book, they are not dating yet, which was interesting to me. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, because but on this show, I, I they are. And, and so sense. I had forgotten that because I think in like every other adaptation of the Phoenix storyline, they're already together because in this version, they are. And like in X3, yeah. they are. But in the original 1976 comic, yeah. there's this whole scene where Gene has a fight with Cyclops and it's like a pretty serious bad fight where like he's like kind of physically intimidating her. He's like, you little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he like shakes her and stuff. And I was like, whoa, 1976. I don't yeah, care for this. <laughs> also, Wolverine is there still pining on her. Yes, so like she yeah. was like legitimately the, like in between the, them. That's a little different because she wasn't dating either one of them yet. So right. Wolverine is pining for her in the comic, but so is Cyclops. But then after after she knocks Cyclops out, she and Storm have a moment where they're crying and like hugging each other. And she's like, tell Scott I loved him. Yeah. And like, that's a surprise because no one knew that right. at that time. So anyway, in this show, Storm isn't there. So we don't get that. And also they're already dating. So that would be really weird. What, Storm <laughs> but, and Jean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they're already dating. Um, so but then we do still get the moment which is kind of similar in the comics where Wolverine tries to step in at this point. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. He like Logan's comes all like, forward. And he's Gene. like, Jean, I, and she just yells, don't try to stop me, Logan. And the comics, it's like a way longer monologue where she's like, I've never liked you. You piss me the hell off. And it's like way funnier. They were running out of time. It was like almost at the 20 minute mark. They had to like finish this real fucking quick. Yeah. And so he just goes, I wouldn't. I just wanted to say good luck. I mean, I love you. I mean, good luck. I mean, I love you. I mean, I mean, good luck. I mean, there's still time for us to fuck in anti-gravity. I mean, there's not really time. I mean, but like... I know that we can do it because I just did it with Beast 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the comic that their relationship isn't far enough along that she would have even kissed him on the cheek. It's still like in the early they they hate each other, but they kind of have some sexual tension stages. So they don't right. do that. Um, but then they all wander off and let Jean do her thing. And they're all hiding in the probe, I guess. And so we see Jean flying into the fire. Yep. of this energy field and she has an orgasm yeah okay so Ryan like says. the last 15 seconds of this i put it on my twitter because i was like this is a little ridiculous so it just ends with her going uh, uh, uh-huh. 
like you know like that's how it ends and then we get like the shittiest like shot of like a phoenix face and it's like to be continued i was Mm -hmm. like this is really serious up until she had an orgasm and this phoenix just like like came out yes okay so i don't remember how they do it in the show but in the comic that's where like the issue ends and then the next issue is her landing in the lake yeah that's that's how the tv show goes too but it's not explained in the comic originally like what causes her change in powers she emerges from the lake she's got a new costume and like new powers yeah. don't you like how X-Men like if like, you get possessed by like an alien like cosmic entity you get a whole manifest new costume, this new costume. Yeah. i mean they pointed out in the comic they're like why does she have a new costume suddenly like what the fuck is going on which i appreciated because i was like what the fuck yeah but i i think later on they probably decided to add in the alien stuff but in the initial draft like as far as you know she just flew a ship through a solar flare and that is what enacted her powers initially but well i mean she she is i think it was long term written to be so like she was going to be possessed by the phoenix but they hadn't explained mm-hmm. that yet in that particular storyline in the comic books because they were like what's happening and then it was slowly revealed that she's sharing brain space with somebody so yeah 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 they wanted to reveal it slowly because it's like a cool slow build and that's what i guess they're gonna do in this there's some other differences too like they weren't fighting eric the red in the original comic they were fighting the x sentinels which were made by Stephen lang which are like fake x-men but they're robots which right. i actually thought was kind of fun and i was like that would have been kind of like a fun follow-up to the reavers to like have more robot characters that are fighting the x-men I mean, but i, didn't I don't do think that. i don't think it was they didn't have time i they uh, yeah, looked at I mean, how they, they just, mapped they out this whole thing this and they're like okay what episodes are going to do what I do agree that maybe they could have figured something out if they, like, didn't waste time in the I first mean, two episodes. I mean, they could have done that instead of the first two episodes we saw. Like, yeah. they could have had time if they hadn't decided to introduce the Reavers instead. But I guess they decided the Reavers were more interesting or they wanted to make sure to include them because there's such a presence in the comics during the time period that they were pulling yeah, from. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, they were in everything then, so. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's, that's the, the episode. episode. I don't know about politics, but we can try. There's politics of war here they could get mm-hmm. into, but I think the only thing that is like worth mentioning is the idea that there are aliens among us, and I don't mean like aliens as like the cosmic entities. Space aliens. I think it's like the idea that like people Invaders. from other countries are like have infiltrated us and are just hiding among us like spies, and they're yeah, like yeah, that's waiting. usually what what science fiction alien stories are really about. It's yeah, like pretty much xenophobia essentially right which i don't know that this that's what this is but it could be i read this more as like an imperialism thing because the bad aliens in the actual sure the total actual war that's happening is imperialism 100 percent. and as we go further into the politics of the shiar i mean like we know that Lalandra's she's the rebel she's the princess leia fighting against darth vader and and so on yeah but i mean like it's honestly her right to the throne or whatever Mm -hmm. but like unlike star wars they're not fighting over like a galaxy they're just kind of like fighting over like their shiar territory you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's a smaller stakes thing but it's similar it's very like star warsy which i don't dislike i i no i I think it's fun 
the anti-fascist message of Star Wars. And we get a little hint of that here with like the Supreme Emperor and all of this shit and and like the brainwashing and stuff. Like to me, I was just like, okay, cool. They're fascist aliens. I get it. Like we're supposed to just see them that way. And and we're going to learn more about their politics as it goes along. So it's not like it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on. We just know that there's some sort of empire and it's like kind of like this guy. It's definitely evil because they're brainwashing people. So we can go ahead and They're definitely being like, oh, we're serving this dictator alien now so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's it yeah and i mean there's also just the politics of us hating xavier but we talk about that's that not really politics so much as like it's a statement it's a wikipedia <laughs> so much as it's a statement of fact yeah i don't you know look it up online I mean, you're like xavier's a piece of shit we're talking about military and dictators and i don't know and they're like, like oh, yeah i guess xavier does fall into that also he okay, doesn't really about, because I mean, he's like, leading a very very tiny army but it's still irresponsible so it, it is irresponsible i mean like we already talked about jubilee's situation this where they sent yeah. a child into like a really dangerous situation but it does and, like, feel in character for xavier to do these things these are like moral problems that he has and cyclops like just, like just backs it up he's like yeah mm-hmm. jubilee we have to do what xavier says go we get caught and she's like okay i guess i will <laughs> i guess i'll get sent to federal prison because i believe in what the x-men represent that's fine that's like a little intense and it's also like it taking is. advantage of a child who would probably idolize yeah absolutely that. she does you can tell she does yeah and like this is her only family now she doesn't have anyone she else. repeatedly says on this show well, it's important. I mean, they're kind of taking advantage of a situation here in a way that I don't know if we're supposed to feel uncomfortable about it or not. I really don't know what we're supposed to make of it. We we give the show a lot of credit for like being subtle about some things, so we could say that we're supposed to feel a little uncomfortable about the situation, but mostly I think it's just the Jubilee is supposed to be like the audience stand-in. Like yeah. she's the kid who's there, who's the closest to the viewer's presumed age, and so you get to watch it and be like, if I were friends with the X-Men and... and slept in the X mansion every night that'd be so cool I'd be just like Jubilee I know but like I want to be the Jubilee. reality of it is a little or at disturbing least have Jubilee as my best friend and then we can mm-hmm. both like be or there if you with are Wolverine Jubilee, at all times then Wolverine is your best friend I mean something. yeah but Wolverine also has to be like the guy who fucks me and Jubilee and Wolverine are definitely not fucking that's a that is yeah it's he's against like everything it's yeah. it would be it would be incestuous or big brother and it's like that's not okay and also like Jubilee and Wolverine they it's not like I know people are like have written fan fictions where they get together, but I'm like, there's just no sexual tension between them because it's I Wolverine buy, and Jubilee. I think we've talked about this on the show, but I kind of buy the fan theory that Jubilee is asexual because like, I know she's only dated like one other character, but like by and large in the comics, she like doesn't really date anybody. And yeah, that's true. I mean, like recently she finally kissed Chamber, which made me happy because I've always wanted Chamber and Jubilee to be a thing. So well, maybe it's meant to be, but I, I kind of like that she like doesn't really date anybody. I think that's cool. Like there aren't that many characters for whom that's the case and they're like still cool with being single so that's kind of neat to see that's not that's not the politics of this episode though. it's but again, not it's the politics, politics of the world <laughs> it is the politics of the world i don't like as i said there's not a lot going on here because we don't have enough information about what's going on with the shiar not yet. yet although i will say like politics or no politics i'm pretty pumped about seeing gene get to do all this stuff i'm yeah, excited I for the rest of the storyline awesome to see Jean Grey get to do shit and I would say I was gonna be like oh the girls get to do stuff but that's they I mean, always I'm get to do shit on Storm here I'm Storm and Rogue still because they haven't yeah, been in the first right, three episodes you know what though I'm holding out they hope. have had a lot of spotlight time they have they and did. Jean has They've not had it to do so this is Jean's very time cool shit. I agree I agree and it has it is long overdue so I'm excited for a bunch of Jean episodes I was really worried I was gonna watch this episode and not like it because 
it's like i know it's gene's time to shine and i was just like worried that i wasn't going to be into it no but i remember this, i, was pleasantly I remember surprised. this being pretty good because I, I mean i've watched this a bunch over the years and like i think i watched it again recently but not from a critical lens but like i remember mm-hmm. being like okay this is like good enough for what the phoenix saga could have been in the 90s and like it was the first time they did it and honestly like the last time so like i want to s- it's pretty good i mean having just gone back and read the original 1976 comics i was like it's I not quite as dark from. as like the original it. comics are though because like well, there the are definitely parts where like people also... die and shit and like that's not yes. happening here but the original comics are also still really fucking funny like the second comic where wolverine goes to visit gene in the hospital while she's like still passed out from the phoenix stuff um he like brings her flowers and there's all these funny moments where the narrator boxes of the comic are like roasting wolverine which is like a funny yeah, thing that the is comics funny. used to do oh my god where it's like wolverine such a loner really thinks gene is going to be impressed by these flowers that he got her <laughs> well she's not and there's like a frame of of logan like seeing that cyclops is like already sitting next to gene and also everybody else is already there and, and like, they also all have flowers <laughs> no that none of them do but like the joke is that like logan wasn't there fast enough because he was going to get flowers and like didn't realize that he should have just been there with everybody yeah, else I know. and like he thought he was going to get a moment alone with gene but he didn't and so you like see him throwing away the flowers like embarrassed and it's funny that is pretty that's kind of cute honestly it is cute and it's like i had forgotten about how like old comics used to do that thing where the narrator would like kind of break the fourth wall and like joke with the reader it was like everything i mean that happened a lot of cartoons fun. too i enjoy it and it's not something this cartoon can really do but they make up for it by like being funny in other ways anyway comic books they're cool i'm glad so, that we read those <laughs> should we talk about who's that x-men oh yeah ready <laughs> who's that, that? Okay, so we're talking about Eric the Red, and we're, you know, we are not talking about Jean Grey today because we'll have plenty and plenty, plenty of op- other opportunities. I don't even know when we'll talk about her. We'll get to her when we get we'll to get her. We'll get to her. We'll get to her. Uh, so this is going to be a very short one, but Eric the Red is actually somebody... All right, well, first of all, there's three Eric the Reds in the co- X-Men comics, and I'll explain that in a second. But the one that we know is Eric the Red in this episode, and that's Davin Shikari. That's how, I think that's how you pronounce the last name. Um, he's a Shi'ar agent, and it is based on the North, the Norse colonizer of Greenland, Eric the Red. Oh. So that is where it's being pulled from. That makes total sense. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? This this episode is more political than I thought. It has a direct reference to a historical thing. I, I mean, I guess we could have like jumped into that, but like, but I don't know you, anything about it. Neither so do I. I, I read about, really it about it a little bit. And I was like, I don't have time for this. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i gotta i gotta say everyone that today i am not at my energy level because it is i like the heat but it's incredibly hot right now it's we're just experiencing the phoenix situation live action right now uh mm-hmm. but I, it gets to that point where i'm like um i'm not gonna do any additional background research because it's too hot to read because that just it's too much movement okay, go ahead okay sorry i like i can't even think straight okay so the first character read davin was appointed by Dekan. i think that's pronounced the same where it's Dekan. i can't remember i think it's Dekan mm-hmm. to observe the planet earth and it's observe the people and the cultures uh when lelandra attempted to flee the earth and ally herself with xavier davin took the identity eric the red so eric used his shiar technology to restore oh, wait hold on i'm fucking i'm all over the place okay <laughs> i think i'm trying to do this in a way that makes sense for this character but i think i have to just go in order because like 
there's pieces in here that match the other Eric thread. So I'm going to start over and I'm going to explain it from start to finish. Okay, so the first Eric thread was Cyclops, who pretended to be a supervillain at some point to infiltrate a group of mutants led by Mesmero, who was like working with a robot pretending to be Magneto. And that's the first Eric the Red. And the next thing is that Davin, he's the next Eric the Red, and he's the one that was appointed by Dekan or Dekan uh, of the Shi'ar Empire to observe Earth and its people and kind of like stay among them. And he was on that backwater planet and he was just waiting for further instructions. When Lilandra attempted to flee Earth and ally herself with Xavier, Davin took on Eric the Red to like go and stop them. And during that time, Cyclops did wonder why Eric was using the same moniker that he did because he was basically copying what Cyclops did. But it's not explained beyond that. Like Cyclops does address it in the comic book. He's like, why is he copying my name? But like, I wonder if it's like something that a writer introduced, but then the thread was just never picked up. Like, I feel like there's so many little plot threads in old comics that yeah. you find. Where yeah, you're like, yeah. It's like little openings that writers leave. That, like, uh, yeah, and they're just in, like, but... I don't know why that happened. And it's and a lot of time it happens like when they see the illustration of who's coming in. Well, but I think also it it they would purposefully leave things open for ideas for later comics, and then they could be like, haha, we planned it all along, but like, I mean, they really did. They, they, they really so they did. Just it. like and, leave things and in unresolved. His case, it really is not that because you'll find out in a second why. Uh, during that time that he was there, Eric used the Shi'ar technology to restore adulthood to Magneto because Magneto had been turned into a baby by the okay. Alpha, <laughs> sure. by Alpha, the ultimate mutant. That but I had to mention it because, like, that's the only other thing he does besides this particular plot line. And wow. then cool. after he was defeated, Eric the Red. After Eric the Red was defeated by Phoenix and the X Men, we've never we didn't see Eric again until later on like much later on we just assume he died because we see a spaceship blow up during the battle of genis genis fell and extreme and then the third person to take on the eric the red moniker was magneto during the trial of gambit and then he dropped that pretty quick so that's why i was trying to explain this and i like Wait, I so couldn't why did do it. why did magneto do it though I mean, I think he was also undercover, but I don't fucking know. I don't remember. So it's, just like, it's, a, like, it's just like a thing where people but, are like, I'm undercover. I, mean, I, I remember better it. go by the name Eric the Red. Like when <laughs> Eric the Red came up and he was like, I'm Eric the Red. Like, of course, I remember him as Eric the Red. But then I also was like, I'm pretty sure like Eric the Red was also Magneto. The one I forgot about was Cyclops, but that was like a thing that happened forever ago. So uh, Eric the Red's <laughs> power is, is like he just basically gets them from his suit. So he's got super superhuman strength and agility. But also, apparently, he has hollow bones, which I did not know. Um, huh. And his suit also allows him to control minds to a limited degree, which we kind of see in this with, like, the... Uh, the mind control of the people on right. the ship. Yeah, 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 and he's got, like, f these concussive blasts that he can fire. Mm -hmm. um, and the only time we ever see him in any kind of media beyond the comic books is in this TV show, so... Wow. Yeah. I think he was basically just a throwaway character in this because they didn't have time to introduce the X Sentinels or any of the other stuff. Or that like anything else, but he so they just does... needed somebody to be there. Yeah, I feel like he does a lot more in this than he does in the comic books. I could That's be interesting. wrong. I, do you understand why I was like having trouble explaining this? Yeah, I, was yeah, yeah. I was trying to be I like I, because I, mean, I was trying to no focus on Eric the Red as in Davin, and I was like, we're gonna so, talk about him, but I was like, there's no way I can do this without not mentioning Magneto and Cyclops. Do you remember if all the Lalandra stuff also happens the same way in the comics? Because, like, in the comics I read, Xavier's still complaining about getting visions the entire time. I, but well, I didn't I read far enough to, like, understand what he was talking comic about. comic panels where 
Lalandra's in that like bug outfit reaching out to him like that's mm-hmm, a whole thing mm-hmm. like that that's pulled directly from the comic book well maybe that also does overlap the phoenix storyline i'll keep reading and i'll remember whatever they did you should but... read it anyway because it's a famous story i mean and i did when i was a kid i know but you... okay here's the thing it was way harder to read comics back then like i totally you agree because they were so on, confusing like, live journal like the daily scans live journal and stuff yeah like, you could read i would just like read random bits and pieces of comics or i would like save pages that i found or whatever oh, okay. you're talking about like teenagers but you're right like that because it was harder to obtain comic books okay so everybody but now then, you get, like, we live in the now, digital age there are apps that Marvel you can pull everything up and i could just fucking look out we'll read them all sequentially in order. I'd read them all in order and read all of the yeah. spinoffs in order too and not ha- not miss anything that it's was like so a nice easier. shout out to scans daily and live journal days okay nobody's gonna understand scans this daily? So, i'm sure some of our listeners remember scans daily but some of our younger listeners probably do not know what that is and live journal was like the first blog site ever mm-hmm. before there was like social media it was kind of like what started all that uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's it, it's there are a lot of fan communities that start on live journal like, yeah and so live journal had all these fan communities and one of them was called scans daily and it was just like all these people scanning like scanning in there comics. was no smartphones it, it is exactly you would need what a it scanner like. at your yep. house and you would yep. have to scan comic books and put it in and like that's how you would discover like new comics or something you hadn't read or like uh, really old comics sometimes and like yeah. that was how but they would I... never put a complete issue up there no they would just put in like pages that they had and uh, i mean it was dumb i don't know i, I don't mean know. it was like it was what it was there was a lot of uh, uh it wasn't dumb I lgbt it, but... stuff going on in there too because everybody liked mm-hmm. everyone being gay of course. and they're like they're like hey check this out actually fun fact scans daily was shut down but i can't remember who it was we can look it up and maybe you can go do your flashy time travel nonsense here but there was <laughs> a writer from marvel who got scans daily shut down really? the original one because he was like these people are taking away from our profit and they're not oh buying the comics God. and what and which is the sheer opposite of what happened because scans yeah. daily actually made more people go into and buy get into comic Marvel. books and get into additional comics beyond what they just liked because like at the exactly. time all i liked was like x-men and batman but because of scans daily i got really into avengers i got into constantine well like, but this was a problem for like the entire internet was that people would be uploading things like music or movies or anything for free and that would be a way people would find things they were interested in but then the original copyright holders i mean this was like the age of napster and shit too like yeah 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 i that, mean we still fight copyright those things crackdowns now. were totally happening in, i like in how the we're 2000s. gonna do a weird politics section that's nothing to do with this episode but like you know we're here okay so that's not quite how the shutting down of scans daily happened it all unfolded back in february 2009 and it involves a wonderful melange of internet controversies including copyright violations and also spoiler violations and the social contract of spoilers so peter david who's a writer for x factor got upset with Scans Daily because they uploaded an issue that had a pretty significant spoiler in it, and he really didn't want anybody to see it, and so he got into it with the members of the community in the comments section there, and after that, everybody suspected that he had alerted Marvel Comics lawyers to get them involved, and that that was what led to Scans Daily getting taken offline, but he denied having done that, and so as far as we know, it was just live journals own internal concerns about copyright violations and not some effort on the part of a Marvel Comics writer to prevent spoilers for a comic book issue appearing online in a place where anyone could accidentally trip over them. 
Anyway, we, we're done with Who's That X-Men. We've recapped Eric the Red. I don't know what section we're in now. We're in the Scans Daily segment the of The Scans show. Daily section. Does it like get its own theme song? Um, I was, I, I don't know. No, it Scans doesn't. Daily. I don't, I can't. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. Shout oh, out I to think Scans it moved, Daily. By the way, I think it was like, it moved to a different, maybe it went to Dream With. I think it. It was it was some other blog site I don't know. later on. In any case, I appreciated it as a kid, but now as an adult, I really like that on Marvel Unlimited, it's so easy to go back and just read everything. Yeah. I don't know. They, well, they're not everything, but they do put so much. Well, they up have there a lot that, of shit. Yeah, and they put it in a way where you can watch it, read it sequentially, which is great. You can um, binge read the X Men, which is what I've always can, wanted in my life. You can or Runaways. Um, yep. Wait, no, we have to do who's gay. Who is gay? The X Men are Eric the Red, but I want to give a shout out to the Wolverine and like okay, there's, so there's multiple here. people actually. So like Wolverine and Beast is like its own entire thing. As soon as Wolverine and Cyclops and Beast walked in with all wearing their pajamas, I was like, great, they were all sleeping together, and <laughs> that's what they were doing. Um, but also Wolverine and Beast were endearing in this. Um, they but were. then Gambit is like his own sexual his own thing. entity. I feel like. Gambit and Wolverine had some sexual tension going on here. I felt like they Wolverine did. was looking at Gambit when he came home and was a little bit jealous. Mm-hmm, and I, like, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I can only imagine what was going through Wolverine's brain then because Gambit came home and he was looking fucking hot and Wolverine's just sitting there in his underwear and they're like, okay, we got to get get into ready for a mission soon. But they didn't leave right away. So like, do you think Gambit and Wolverine were like, hold on. They probably went ahead and hooked up before they changed into their costumes. I mean, they did yeah. have to undress to change into their Also, X-Men Gambit costumes. basically was like, I didn't like I had to leave getting late to come here. So Wolverine, get what I'm saying. I need a little some. <laughs> Can you snick yeah. snicked? I'm going to assume that happened because yeah. why not? You know, I do why like this. I do, I do like that. Eric, the renovated onto the who's gay thing because of what he's wearing. You know also what? because he's, he's like, I love my guy. emperor so much. And I would suck <laughs> his dick if he told me to not because I like it, but because he told me to do it. Because that's what I'm interested in being told to do things. Yeah. And also much. I have a weird outfit on. I don't know. He's enjoyable. I mean, he's evil and bad. But he also mind controls people, so he's kind of like, you know, a B-grade Mr. Sinister. I think it looks like Eric the Red Light came hot off the gay club in, like, 1995. That's what it looks mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of the same, like, tropey, super gay villain things that, that we've talked I mean, about before I mean, he looks like a show. He-Man villain, so... And he we does. know that everything in He-Man and She-Ra is inherently gay. There's just nothing straight about either of those things. I agree. So, there you go. I don't know who to give the award to this time, though. Um, clearly, Beast and Dr. Corbo. Okay, there no, you we're go. Not, we're not going to do that. Um, I don't know. I think Eric the Red gets it because he really is like he's the most he's the most outlandish one, and he's also like the most straightforward about what he wants. Like we're just presuming that Wolverine and Gambit fucked because they. I mean, we could tell that they were checking each other out, uh, and we just presume that Beast and Wolverine fucked together. But like, but that's mostly us putting yeah, that I don't on think there. That actually, happened. I think it has to go to Eric show? the Red. I mean, in our version of the show, in the Mutant Ages canon, they fucked, but. In the canon of None this of the show, it's hard to say. None of the ladies fucked in this, though, because they were all, like, separated. No. Rogue's secret mission was actually... Just, just, like, licking Storm. Going on a date. But Storm wasn't there, so never mind. I don't know. Uh, that's I true. I don't know. I don't know. We may never know. Goodbye. 
this Goodbye. section, it's time for reader mail or rating the episode. Rating we the do episode. everything in different orders every time. We I'm do. telling you. Also, I, I don't, don't think we have any reader why. mail this time. For oh, once. that's fine. I just figured I'd ask. Um, I'll double check. I'm going to think about what I would rate this. I... I enjoyed it. I I definitely want to give it a four. I'm thinking That's about if I want to bump it up. I'm literally on the four level. It's not quite a f- a ten. Um, a ten? Ten no, out of five. I mean, ten out of five. It's not quite a five, <laughs> guys. I'm my brain is melting right now. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna give it this, a four. I'm gonna give gonna it a four. This is gonna be the shortest podcast because like nine, we just were we like are speeding through it because it is hot and we want to turn the AC on. So it's hot, hot, hot. And we gotta hot, get hot, out of here. Like uh, Jean Grey or Sebastian the Crab. Hot, hot, <laughs> hot. All right. Anyway, I don't. What am I saying? <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew what you were talking about. You're you're talking ta- about I was talking about that st- the, stupid the Disney. Song. Yes. No. <laughs> So I by Sebastian the Crab. Guys, I want to announce this right here, but Maddie and I are going to Disney World with Katie, who's the other podcaster. We're going in the spring, we're and going we're gonna, to I'm going to film the whole thing and put up on the Atomic Blue Productions, because Maddie's never been before. I'm going to call it Maddie Goes to Disney World, so Excellent. be ready for um, that. We're going to stay in the Little Mermaid room, and we're going to sing Feeling Hot, yeah, Hot, Hot So don't be surprised if I start making like Little Mermaid and Disney references in our show. Constantly? Constantly. I mean, I guess technically they're owned by uh, Disney, so they're all in the same universe now in my head. Like, Star we'll Wars get there, and Disney and, and X Men and the Muppets is going to be a Disney World. Um, Have no, you seen? Okay, by the way, I do want to mention this though, um, and it's too bad because we won't see the X Men in it because the rights just happened. But Wreck-It mm-hmm. Ralph Two is a big crossover of all these I things, know. and the Avengers are there. So like, we just narrowly missed getting like Wolverine and Wreck-It Ralph Two. You know, I mean, they could still throw him in there. That's true. It doesn't take that long to animate. It's like, Wreck-It a cameo. Ralph. Like, I don't think they give a shit. They're like, if there's a property, we'll fucking put it. I in I mean, this. they have like every fucking video game villain in the last one. So I know. And this one, they have all the Disney princesses. Don't forget about Wolverine. He's a Disney princess. He is. So do we not have reader mail? Should no, we, we don't. Just continue I'm just on to s- plugs. I, well, I'm just going to say that I'm giving it a four because I think it is. This should have been the pilot, or not the pilot. This I should agree. Have been well, the, the pilot first of, or the first episode of yeah, and it should three. have started here. It could have just opened with Xavier having a dream sequence where he was being reached out by Lilandra. I know that they wanted to do it so they could like touch the tech and i know that they like had a whole schedule for how many episodes they had to fulfill and they were probably like too short of yeah. like you know doing the full phoenix saga as a whole season and they wanted to do that that's I don't what know. my guess I am is really curious i really really wonder how those other two episodes ended i really want to reach out to those creators after we're done with all five seasons to see if we could get like a brief interview with them just to find out questions like these but yeah. uh, I think the episode is complicated, and but like not in a bad way. Like it's complicated because we're introducing the idea of aliens, which is completely new to this universe mm-hmm. that we've been on for the like not too new to us, but new to the X Men TV show. Yep. And like we're now going from threats on land to threats in space, and I think it does it really well. This is a very serious episode. There's some good one-liners, but like like the last episode, it's not comical. You know what I mean? It's very yeah. Eerie? But I, I mean, I, enj- I thought it, I thought it had like some funnier moments than the last. I episode, mean, like Wolverine but... calling Cyclops dad. Why didn't they win? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We should have put them. I in. forgot about that. I did too. There's a lot of funny Wolverine moments. Oh my in this god, app. I forgot that Cyclops was being Wolverine's dad. All right, but like, you know what I'm saying? Where I, but it's not like it's, wow, it, this was the best parts. episode I've seen. Like, there's some episodes that I like give it a five because it like fucking blows my socks off, which happened a lot yeah. in season one, surprisingly. 
Yeah. Like, wasn't Slave Island one we both gave a five to? And I was like, that's really great. I feel like this was not quite that level, but it was I think, important. I think that we might get there this season, though. I'm hopeful yeah. because this was a promising start. And so I'm really hoping that the rest of the Phoenix apps, like maybe we have a five or two in there because yeah. that would be fun. I'm I'm hopeful. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope it's not all downhill from here. Yeah. I enjoyed this one. I think it just, it does what it needs to do. It sets up what need, it, the story that we're going to tell. And it's a very serious story. It's a story that obviously in the comic books involves a lot of death. And then this, they have to sort of like dance around that. Mm-hmm. But like. But it's cool to see Jean using her powers. It's cool to see like these serious moments and, and way better animation just still across the board. That's also, this really is the cool first too. time we're going to see a story that is very, very much on X-Men the Animated Series like connected from like each thing's gonna be to be continued to be continued to be continued whereas like yeah yeah, we had overarching themes in the other seasons like season one like there was like slave island and the sentinels and mutants versus humans and and centralities campaign and like all this and magneto's perspective and like right yeah and then then the second season it was like what's going on with savage land and mr sinister Sinister. and like what are the x-men's backstories and the friends of humanity and so it was like all these different things happening one things this is the first time it's gonna just be one thing it's gonna be Mm -hmm. one fucking epic space tale basically so it's very different in tone and i think that's why it's not quite a five it could be and we're just like not used to it but it's like such a shock to the system because it's like we're used to all these like other ways of storytelling and now it's going to be like a comic book where it's like stay tuned for the next issue to see what happens so yeah i'm gonna i'm curious what the overarching themes of this season are gonna be though like the other seasons um, we can pretty easily fire point to that, aliens but, <laughs> fire aliens but i i'm i know that like sometimes phoenix storylines are about like xavier fucking up and stuff so i'm i'm curious if they're gonna go that way with there's this also like a because good, we've had good... a little foreshadowing of, of xavier like not being himself so sure I, I don't really remember how that plays out. I though, think it but. just it all resolves when Landry gets there and they touch each other and they're like everything's great. We touched. Well, we'll and I'm see. Like, okay, but I do think that a lot of the Phoenix stories involve a lot of metaphors about dying and rebirth and rebuilding mm-hmm. shit from the ashes. And I know in this, like that becomes a whole part of it. So like, I think we're going to have a lot of those kinds of metaphors. And I, I personally love the Phoenix metaphor. I know you do too. I really I like the too. idea of like, sometimes you just got to burn it all to get to the ground and build new from the ashes or like, definitely. You, you, and I, I mean, you have died and you come back. I I've experienced not that to in my like, life. Just hammer this constantly, but I feel like there's always like a feminist message with the Phoenix too, where it's oh, like totally. no, this I'm female character. 100%. Who's been like oppressed and put upon and underestimated for like her entire career, and then she just fucking snaps and is like, "I'm actually more powerful than anyone ever thought." Like, what a fantasy, you know? Oh no, like, I totally agree. Because like, until this point in time, like we've had female heroes, like we know Wonder Woman exists, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, and like Miss Marvel sort of existed, and like you know the Wasp existed, but it's not like this where a woman like becomes the most powerful entity in the universe yeah and the costume change in those comics is way more stark like the costume she's wearing initially is like this very like 70s little tiny miniskirt thing like when she's jean gray she's wearing like a dress that she never wears on this show it's like really old school dress that the jean gray in the comic books at that point in time was a lot more like bold and sassier than the one on this she's tv pretty show adorable and because fun. she's very snarky in the comic yeah. books and she doesn't kind of like put up the dude's bullshit but like a lot of the characters were like that i mean yeah. they were that was great but in this but... she's kind of like dumbed down and she's always like i feel and sense things i don't know what's going on and it's I like know. 
it's very strange by the way maddie you'll appreciate this and all my listeners on here who knows that i'm obsessed with resident evil but on this tv show uh the voice of jill uh jill valentine is also Jean gray so oh at wow the time. so like jill huh. and like resident evil 3 and like the games around that time that's so weird i didn't know that I did because I have to look up constantly when the X-Men and the uh, Resident Evil voice actors on all the shows and games crossover because that's a thing I do with my free time. <laughs> well, as everyone knows, Resident Evil and the X-Men are intrinsically linked. They are. That's I mean, you remember that uh, that comic book where Albert Wesker and Mr. Sinister teamed up? Oh my god, I would Whoa. be all over that. We and would all be dead. <laughs> they, we'd all be dead and they'd be like a hot power couple too. So, They're basically the same person. Anyway, I mean they are, except I think Wesker is a little bit more obsessed with Chris Redfield than like like Mr. Sinister's not obsessed Ryan, with anybody why individually. Are we still just Excuse me, about Resident bullshit. Evil. I'm really hot. <laughs> we aren't. This isn't even a segment. We're just talking <laughs> to is, each other this now. This is the Resident Evil okay, X Men segment. Guess so what? We get a, it's time to end the show. No, because I it's want a the theme song that's like a, a creepy piano playing, and also like a, a creepy piano playing of the X Men theme song, and then like a typewriter writer noise yeah. <laughs> all right okay this is stupid uh, i'm not putting we need to get out of here in. because it is so um, hot i'm sorry guys that we're not at our what? best today but it won't be heat we, wave next time we have a youtube channel it's oh, atomic shit. blue productions hold on oh my god what i just dropped i just knocked a bunch of shit over okay um, let's start that over hold okay on. so we have a youtube channel it's atomic blue productions we also recently put out a different project called the legend of the dark crystal which is like a one-shot podcast where we read a movie that ryan wrote when he's a teenager and it's i hope you throwback the- theater series which is up on our youtube channel where we usually mm-hmm. react or read stories that we wrote in the past and we laugh at them and we made this one-shot podcast you can find it on our twitters because if you google it you can't find it so yeah uh, you just go to our twitters or go, or to, go like to atomic blue productions yeah, atomic blue productions it's under throwback theater you will find it there. that's the name of our little production company where ryan and i put all the weird shit that we make with our friends there's this podcast and there's his other podcast with katie warcraft valley and obviously like our youtube channel throwback theater all those cool things and we're planning to make some actual movies about time travel and stuff we like wanna that do that we want to do yeah. it anyway if you want to support that and support us continuing to get better equipment to do all the things we're going to make, then you should go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Atomic Loop Productions, and you can support this show and everything else we do there. And we really appreciate it. Yeah, we're a completely fan-supported show. So when you guys support uh, Atomic Loop Productions, you're supporting us directly because Maddie and I are the producers of Atomic Loop Productions, and it's whatever shit we want to make. So we want to make an X-Men show? We're going to make it. We want to make a time travel movie? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. So Okay. Also, we're on Twitter, like you said. Atomically Prod is the main one, but we also have the Mutant Ages on Twitter, where we tweet fan art and comics we're reading and jokes and episodes. And yeah. we're individually on Twitter. I'm at Mitty Myers, and I'm at Ryan Pagella. And don't forget to shoot us an email over at themutantages at gmail.com. Yeah. Normally, normally we have a well, reader it, mail we section. We were recording an episode very shortly after we. Yeah, I was gonna say we, like, we just released an episode, and we're already recording. We're trying it, to so. bank a couple of episodes. Yeah, so because it's you can a send crazy. us a mail and we. We maybe won't read it on the next one but, but please send us mail and we we're read just, everything we really we're do. just trying to bank episodes because i'm going to be out of town later this month so That's but true. definitely we will read your mail and we'll we'll get to it on an episode soon and if, if very important if you guys could give us a rating and a review mm-hmm. or a review on itunes or soundcloud that really helps us 
boost our visibility. Or SoundCloud comments, comments. If you yes. have thoughts on the show, that's also a way to reach us or Twitter, any other way that you want to contact us. We might even read it on the show because sometimes we read tweets and comments as well. We it's do. fun. I think that's the it. end. I'm sorry, guys. I hope you enjoyed this. I, I hope you enjoyed me burning in the Phoenix Inferno. I thought this was a good snappy app, just snapping it on out there. I agree. Just sometimes we have episodes where we're like losing our shit and screaming, like you know, uh, Lady Deathstrike or Externally mm-hmm. Yours, which is still my favorite episode to date. Uh, it's great. Uh, you know, sometimes we just do a snappy app because sometimes it's a thousand degrees. degrees in your apartment, and you just want to like turn the AC back on. So that's where we're at. Okay. Well, see you next time. Iceman. Wait. Bobby, turn on Where's the AC. Iceman? Actually, just give me your body. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the at atomicblueproductions.com or support us at patreon.com slash atomicblueproductions.